Hello, this is Arthur Bush, and you're listening to Radio Free Flint. Thank you for joining us. This episode focuses on the Flint Board of Education and the Flint Public Schools. It takes no one who's been to Flint very long to realize that the Flint Public School System is deeply, deeply troubled. The reason I asked Emily Dorr to speak to us today was because she and some of her colleagues decided that they would run a slate of candidates in the next election coming up in November 2022, in which they would run together on a common platform of common principles, which would help to transform and change the Flint public schools. Emily Dorr represents a new generation of leaders in the Flint area. She's very exciting and very energetic. Emily lives and works in Flint. She currently serves as the executive director of the Michigan Land Bank Authority. This tie to Flint is what brought her back home to Flint in 2016 to work for the City of Flint's Community and Economic Development Division. Emily also serves on a number of nonprofit boards in Flint. She received her bachelor's degree in economics from Central Michigan University, and she has a master's of business administration from Detroit Mercy. So without any further ado, I want to introduce you to Emily Dorr. Born in Flint, Michigan, raised in Goodrich. Hi, yeah, Emily. That's correct, yeah. Because I'm excited part of being part of a slate, so the five of us that have been campaigning together for a school board. Emily is up for election here pretty soon. The date, we put that up. Uh, November 8th. So November 8th, she's going to be on the ballot in the city of Flint uh, to be a member of the school board. I think there's five of you running as a group. Yes. yes. Yeah, five. Yep. And they have the five of our names. So it's uh, me, Emily Dorr, and then Dylan Luna, Melody Relliford. And those are the three of us that are running for the six-year terms, of which there are three. And then Michael Clack is running for the two-year term. And then Tere King Jr. is running for the four-year term. And so that's how the ballot is set up because of um, there had been some resignations. So that's why there are those two partial terms. My first question to you, is there a connection between the quality of the school, in this case being the Flint Board of Education, and community and economic development, that is the ability of the community itself to organize in order to bring jobs to the community and or businesses or other entities, could be nonprofits. Is there a connection between those two? Is that one of the reasons why you're running? Yes, and yes. My dad was a public school teacher for 40 years in the Goodrich district, which is why we moved out there from Flint. The ties between how a public school district is being managed and, and governed, I think is is absolutely connected to the ability of that community uh, to thrive, without a doubt. My uh, belief in that is one of the reasons why actually when I moved back to Flint in 2016, I decided that I wanted to um, start getting involved with Flint school having an impact, but knew that I needed to be here for a few more years before I was to actually run for the Flint school board. So I signed up as a candidate to be considered for a, being appointed to a position on one of the charter schools that is the chartering institution uh, is Central Michigan University, which is my alma mater for my undergrad. So I did uh, sign up for that or apply. And so I was appointed to a board, um, Woodland Park Academy, which is, um, it's in Grand Blank. It serves 70% of the student body are students from Flint who come to, who, whose parents have decided to not have them be in the public school district, but rather to go to Woodland Park. And so 
I wanted to serve. I knew that it's it was a challenge for me because I think it's half of my brain knows that we can't keep encouraging students to go to other schools and still expect the Flint schools to thrive. But the other half of me says parents deserve a better choice right now. And I don't blame them for doing what they feel is best for their children. Um, that's you've got to trust that that parents are going to do what's best for their kids. And so you've got to give them options. So if the Flint schools is, is not as a district giving parents a good option, then parents are going to choose other other places. So so I, I did. I learned a lot from that four years that I served from 2018 through 2021 on the Woodland Park Academy board and was always very mindful of making sure that the students from Flint, I was trying to always uh, be mindful of them and, and bring up things that were specific and relevant for them as, as students there at Woodland Park. Learning from that, I was able to see very much the way that the trust between parents and a school is so important and you have to have that. And I think that's why, so for Flint schools, because it is a district that is within a community of people who there's been a lot of loss of trust because uh, in institutions, not just in the school district, I think there's a loss of trust in, in almost every institution has had some negative thing, whether it was the you know the private sector with GM and how that, uh, the, that job loss just was, was ex extremely fast, you know, to have that many jobs that were gone in the course of a 15 year period from that to public sector of, you know, with what happened with the water crisis. And then also with the school district, with, with the way that the schools, they, as they shrank in number, they didn't shrink their, the buildings. And so you just have these blighted buildings all over the community and you can't have that kind of blight and expect that the neighborhood is going to be able to thrive and you don't give the neighbors an opportunity to really do anything with those buildings because the school district hasn't hasn't really been proactive about repurposing them. And so that's where I'm very passionate, given my day job and, and having done you know 15 years worth of community economic development, um, and especially in the last uh, six years, having done a lot of housing redevelopment and property redevelopment, commercial. We, you know we do a lot of work with problem properties all over the states. We have school buildings and other communities that actually are in our inventory. And so figuring out how to best move those properties to be a public asset is such a key thing. And I am excited to bring that um, experience to the board, you know, to really focus on those properties, whether they need to be demolished or they can be, you know, repurposed and redeveloped. Um, also the schools that are currently having students need to be maintained uh, better. So that way the students have a healthier place to go to school and we need to build new schools. And so all four of those slices of the real estate side, I'm excited to bring some experience and leadership and vision in addition to a lot of the other governance things that I believe are important with our schools. What's frustrating about the charter school thing is that it, it was a Band-Aid solution, right? It's like, instead of fixing the public schools and really investing and making them better, it was just, well, then let people open different schools. And, and, you know, and that, and that's a public policy decision that I, like I didn't make, right? Charter schools are coming in cannibalizing the most profitable areas of education, which are the elementary schools, because it doesn't cost as much to run them as it does higher grades. You know, you can't run a high school for the same price you run an elementary school because there's a lot more services that are provided and it's more ex just 
frankly, it's a lot more expensive. So if you become the secondary uh, education institution and you lose all the feeder schools, you really can't be successful as a school district. Do you agree with that proposition or am I missing something? I would love for Flint schools to become, to rebuild trust with parents that the parents actually, you know, want to send their kids to Flint schools to the point where then charter schools in Genesee County, or at least the ones that attract Flint kids, go out of business, right? I mean, I, I would. I don't want charter schools to be there because they are invariably less democratic. Look, I was a prosecutor for a long time in Flint, and uh, I spent years battling those people, whether it was covering up sexual assaults in the school by their faculty, uh, whether it was uh, uh, just ignoring essentially guns in the hallways of these schools, uh, just unbelievably stupid things that they were doing and outrageous things. And, and I would maintain that in large part, uh, people started voting with their feet, which was they began to move. I can appreciate what you want to do with buildings. That's a whole nother subject, quite honestly. Until you can make a, the parents feel that their school is safe, they are not sending their kids there. I mean, they're not sending their kids into shootouts and into, you know, gang activity at the basketball court behind the high school. So today uh, you've got three high schools less thousands of kids went someplace else so i don't know what you do with school safety but i'd like to hear all about that that's the first problem you've got as far as i can see people don't see it they don't perceive the schools as safe um i'm i'm not a, a public safety officer so i'm not going to comment on what uh, is the a best practice for um you know for having you know more of a public safety presence within the school, but I think there's probably best practices for that. I think that there's definitely, I, I do not support um, the idea that, that teachers should be armed. I do not agree with that. Uh, that, that teachers are there to teach. They are not there to have firearms on them. So that's, that is my opinion on that. But I do think that schools, when you build, when you build new schools, you can design them to have more of a safety, uh, like the actual design in, in community economic development, they call it SEPTED, where you actually have uh, crime prevention through environmental design. And so that's uh, something you can do with layouts and doors and windows and that kind of thing and, and the physical layout. The actual safety within the schools themselves, the, the, in the hallways and within, you know, the between students interacting with each other, I mean, I think that there's, that's a really complicated question because I, but I do think that frankly, that's something that the superintendent as the educational leader should be focused on and should have a plan for. And that plan we should, as a board, as a governance body, be able to say, okay, let's allocate resources to implement that plan. And that plan needs to be educated by a lot of best practices and other professionals I mean, that's how you problem solve. I do think it's something that the that the superintendent would need to incorporate into every every year, the operational plan that we update. You know, there's a, a strategic plan that gets updated every five years, but each year, individual year should have its own operational plan. And every year within that operational plan, there should be a how are we going to improve public safety? And, you know, right now, you know, at sporting events, there's a they're limiting the number. You have to have a ticket, and and they're limiting the number of people who can go. You know, is that sustainable? Is that a short term fix? Is it going to actually lead to 
um, more safety at sporting events? You know, I think that those are questions that need to be asked about every piece of the safety component that's in the operational plan. You start with so many problems. One of the obvious solutions is, can the Flint School Board or school district survive as an entity? And wouldn't it be better if they merged with some of the other stronger districts in the area? And if so, is that a possibility? And uh, usually if you get an entity, an institution that develops a bad reputation, they try to recreate themselves with a different brand. And I've often thought in recent years that the Flint School Districts just, you know, become, they're fighting so many battles. And I don't see how how they can maintain short. I mean, the the finances of this place are dwindling and it looks catastrophic to me. You know, something's going to bad happen. It's, I don't, I don't expect you to agree with that, but, but I I do have a question of you. Does you or anybody in your group have some abiding principles that are overarching strategic principles that you hope to agree on in terms of developing policies that help shape the school district? Uh, yes. Well, so first, um, so we have tw- about uh, 2,700 students in Flint schools right now. And that's, um, you know, that that those 2,700 students, we need to figure out what what the school school district needs to do to keep them. I've been asked questions about, well, how are you going to grow the district? And my my first response is, we just need to stabilize the district. Where, like my The first, you know, I'm running for a six-year term. Years one and two are just about stabilizing. And, and that means that the one the students that we have, we don't lose. I'm not concerned about trying to attract new students right now. I'm, I'm concerned with we need to keep the students that we have. 2,700 students is not insignificant. So I, I don't think that, and we also have an increase. Uh, recently, there was a, a bipartisan uh, supported bill that increased the uh, per student um amount up to it's over $9,100 is it was, I think it was at 8,200 before. So it was a $900 per student increase for operations from the state. And um, that's the, one of the biggest, I think, if not the biggest increase in history in terms of an, of a, of a, from one year to the next. So I think that is very helpful. Obviously there are ARPA funds that can be used for a lot of the existing maintenance of existing buildings where students are as well as curriculum investments, as well as some of the other investments that would be needed to help get the students back up to speed from the impacts of COVID and the pandemic. There's also, I think, a lot of foundation support for Flint schools, uh, both for the buildings themselves, but I think that there would be a lot of early childhood investment that could come from foundations, as well as other wraparound services. We have so many partners right now that invest in our school buildings and in our our kids for other services. So I would just push back against the doom and gloom that you painted a little bit and say that there's a lot of opportunity. What's exciting to me is that you're interested in doing it because you have obviously a lot of energy. You have a master's degree in business administration. So that gives me some hope that you're you're educated and you're heading in the right direction. Uh, And the crew that you've got organized with you if they're successful in getting elected, I think they also have good backgrounds educationally too. And they're all and they're all pretty much young as I can see. 
Yeah. And yeah, Melody Belliford is a community health worker. Um, so she has worked in the schools, in the Flint schools, uh, doing like some of the screen, you know, screenings and wraparound services. And now she works uh, in on the the insurance side, making sure that Flint parents and families and households are able to get insurance and get services. You know, Michael Clack is a is a middle and high school teacher and is is very you know connected with what's going on in the classrooms. Teray King. He is a recent high school graduate, uh, manages the McDonald's on Dort Highway. So he hires Flint students. So he himself is a recent graduate going to college. Um, he he graduated, he went to Flint schools until the sixth grade and then moved out to Carmen Ainsworth, his, where his uh, mother um, you know, wanted to give him a more stable education than one she felt that she was able to do in Flint. And and you know, he feels strongly about wanting to make sure that that in the future, parents don't make that choice to 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 leave, but rather to stay. Um, and so Tere is, you know, he's got a lot of, of energy. And then Dylan Luna is um who was a he was the first to actually, he was the first candidate actually to to make to come out. He he announced back in February. And you know, Dylan works for the chamber, is a business development manager, so does a lot of the economic development work, like talking to business owners in Flint about what they need to do for expansion. And a lot of it is about talent. So he knows all about the talent needs of our region when businesses are considering moving here. That's the number one question they so, they ask him. So we do have a really good group. Several decades ago, there was a superintendent. His name was Felix Chow, and he was quite popular in the community. There was a culture with this board that they just, you know, they wanted to do combat every time they got in a meeting. And and so what Felix did is an amazing guy. He he was a, a very accomplished violinist. So Felix would bring his violin to the meetings and he would either interrupt the meeting with his violin or he'd start with it and sort of lower the temperature a little bit. Eventually, you know, the the uh, finances of the school and Felix was also fortunately very uh, talented with finance. He was a finance uh, vice president, I think, at Mock College before he came to the Flint School District. You got this this group together of young people, pretty much young educated people with connections in the community, which gives a lot of hope. The collegiality and civility, I assume, is going to be part of your platform. Yep, absolutely. Isn't the public getting kind of sick of seeing this? People getting in and pushing matches and that's the sort of thing that has no place in uh, public. You're taking the public business. And I am confident, knowing something about your background, that's not your game. Right. And uh, the slate is why I'm so encouraged by what you're doing. I think it's it kind of makes you think about what you want to accomplish before you show up. You have five principles that you've discussed that hold you all together that you can tell the public, these are five things that we're up to as a group that we pledge. We pledge no more fighting at the school board meetings. I hope yeah. that's one. No, I'm happy to say, I think <laughs> number one, number one is maintaining respect and civility. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, eliminating blight, uh, repurposing properties, building new schools. So that kind of real estate stuff, I think uh, investing in curriculum um, and really having a focus on what's going to help kids be ready for what happens after high school. Um, so I, you know, and, and for me, I think that it means a lot more focus on skilled trade. I think there's so many jobs you can have that are um, do not require college debt 
that you can get an apprenticeship and have a, a very good career. And maybe after 10 or 15 or 20 years, you don't want to be an electrician anymore, but you have had a very good, whatever your amount of career duration is working in the skilled trades. We need skilled tradesmen and women right now. We need skilled trades people. The infrastructure and housing in our community and our state needs to all be rebuilt. And so we have to have more of that. And so I think the curriculum and, and access to sports, music, and skilled trades. So number three, number four, I think strengthening community partnerships. There's there is so much positive impact that could be had if, you know, that if, if a neighborhood resident calls the school administrative office, that they get a call back and within, you know, 72 hours. Like that's we are a pub, we're part of the public. People who are work for the school are public sector workers, which means like they are supported by tax dollars to pay their. So to me, they should be responsive to the public. And so that that strengthening community partnerships and that way people feel again, whether you have kids in Flint schools or you you want to pot potentially consider having your kids in Flint schools or you you are older and just still live in the community. Regardless, everybody who lives here should be feel like the Flint schools are a good neighbor and a good partner. Um, and then I also think that will help with funding as well um, to have some of those philanthropic supports. And then number five is supporting teachers. I think you want to talk about how do we help improve learning? It's through making sure that teachers have what they need. That's if that's you know more professional development, so that way they can be always learning from you know externally from best practices, but also internally. Um, one of the things I saw at Woodland Park Academy was they called it professional learning communities, and that was. Uh, students that, you know, were in a grade that had different teachers. So all of the third grade teachers, let's say, those third grade teachers would all come together and talk about, you know, different students that maybe were struggling in one class. And then another teacher could say, well, that student does really well in my class. Let me tell you how I handle that person in a way that the other teachers can learn uh, horizontally, but then also vertically, all the social studies teachers would all learn from each other to make sure that it's more of a cohesive learning curriculum from first grade to eighth grade. And right. so these vertical and horizontal professional learning communities, it, you know, making sure that you, you know, are supporting that they have that. So that internal training. So anyway, those are our five, like I said, civility and respect, the real estate, supporting teachers, making sure we invest in curriculum and art school sports and, and skilled trades and then the final one making sure that we have strengthening community partnerships there you go so that wraps up our our time today we hope you enjoyed listening to emily Dorr, candidate for the flint board of education in the upcoming november election if you'd like to support emily or her group or donate to her cause uh we'll put that in the in the show notes so you can, can find that, that information as well as perhaps some links to other news media uh, coverage of the, of the race. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you like this podcast, you like it on whatever platform you're on, or review us if you're on Apple or Google or Spotify. Or please go to our website, which is radiofreeflint.media, radiofreeflint.media, and sign up for our newsletter. So thank you very much for your support. Have a good day.